Welcome to the PR Moment podcast. Produced in association with the Marketeers Network. Today on the PR Moment podcast, I'm talking to Joanne Robertson, partner and CEO at Ketch in London, in the latest of our PR Reset series of podcasts that look at the state of public relations post the COVID-19 lockdown. Joanne, welcome to the show. Hi, Ben. Lovely for you to join us today. Um, just to say to people out there, um, if you haven't had a look yet, do take a uh, t- take a, um, a look at the homepage of PR Moment and you'll see our new on-demand series of webinars. We've got three of them currently on PR Analytics, the intersection of PR and SEO, and LinkedIn as a marketing channel. And as I say, all the details are on the homepage. Now, Joanne, um, we've done a few of these PR reset um, shows so far, and it's great to have you on just to get the, uh, the a perspective, I guess, of a, of a group-owned firm um, such as yeah. Ketchup just to see uh, the type of, of lockdown that you guys have been having. Um, but just, uh, just taking a step back from that for a moment, looking at the, uh, the broader side of things, what do you see as the sort of short-term future for PR firms? What, what does that look like at the moment? Well, look, I think that it's been, it's been a terrible time for everybody, right? And it's, um, I think as lockdown has eased and there's a sense of normality kind of getting back into society, I think business is starting to return. Um, Obviously nowhere near the levels it was pre-COVID, but I think for PR in general, we've weathered the storm better than some of our um, sister disciplines in the Marcoms uh, world, which I think um, shows the value that many businesses place on us. And I think that the majority of firms have been very responsible during this time. uh, And so... I think that outlook is okay. I'm I'm in neither end of the spectrum that I keep hearing people talking about. Like sometimes I think I'm in the twilight zone when I hear people being like, oh yeah, business is booming, it's fine, nothing to see here. I mean, anyone I've talked to in private, that's not the case. So I, I find that kind of, let's PR the situation a bit odd. And then at the other end of the spectrum where it's all doom and gloom and it's going to be years before we return to pre-COVID levels, I don't agree with that either. I'm rather boringly for once, like right in the middle. And I think as long as we keep our focus uh, as PR agencies on two things, one, being really great partners to our clients and really understanding what they're going through during this time. And secondly, putting our people, which is our biggest asset, it always has been and always will be, putting them at the heart of the decisions that we're making, then, you know, it's been choppy waters, but we're all going to get through it. Right. Um, And you touched on it there. So, I mean, what were you just pushing your bit on on some... um, I guess your group home, so you're you're probably not going to want to give us too much detail, but the... How... Presumably bits of your business are a bit up than last year, I don't know, and, and some are a bit down and some are really down. Is that, can you just give, give us a little bit yeah. more insight? Into- I mean, I'm, as, you, as you alluded to, I'm not allowed to give specifics um, as part of a, a holding company. But what I can say is, you know, Ketchum in the UK had two brilliant years, 2018 and 2019. So we, were, we had good momentum. We were set up for another fantastic year in 2020. A big part of our business is consumer events, experiential, sports. You know, we had a huge um, Olympics program. <laughs> so, yeah, 
that all disappeared overnight. Um, and so that's a bit of the business that's been, been impacted. But I've got quite an optimistic view. I think it could have been a lot worse. And I know that for some firms, it has been a lot worse. And I really wish them well as they start to rebuild their business. If, you, if all you had was consumer events and experiential-based stuff, then this will have been a horrendous time. And, uh, and I really hope that those firms can start to bounce back soon. But, you know, overall, uh, it, it's such a surreal thing to talk about. Because if I kind of, especially in reflection, because I think back, to March and April. I mean, they were the worst months of my professional career, like no doubt whatsoever, because, and I kept saying, it's, it's great being part of a big firm like this because you're surrounded by um, people who've been doing this a lot longer than I have. And I remember I had the kind of first big call I had with Barry Rafferty, who was still our global CEO then. And I was like, I'm kind of a bit shell-shocked. Like I kind of like, for business to have changed so dramatically so quickly, yeah, I was quite like I just didn't know how to get through it and um and Barry was like it is the same for me Joanne and I've got like significantly more experience and yeah she'd been through 9-11 and and various other defining moments in her professional career and so I kind of look back and reflect and think do you know what nobody could have predicted this nobody was prepared for it no matter what they might say to you but I really feel as though the Ketchum network and family and actually the Omnicom network and family has really helped me as a as a leader to get through this but us as a business in this market to get through it and as I say I think it could have been a lot worse and so I'm trying to remain optimistic um, about what we've been through and about where we're going. It's about you I have good days and bad days you know some days you think it's all going to be all right and then you I don't know it just slightly depends on the last conversation or the last article you read isn't it it's um yeah it's totally and, uh, totally and I think that was one of the things that was like I just I tried to stop I mean for a PR person to say this I tried to stop watching too much news and like I, I for the first few weeks I was like gripped by the daily like number 10 briefings but listening to how many people were dying, and I think that always puts it in perspective to me. You know, there's there's people who have lost, you know, close family members and friends to to COVID. Um, there are, as you see every day, people losing their jobs, and I think we have to keep a you know realistic, but you know, grateful tone to what we're doing. I think if you're sat in a job right now, you should be really grateful that you've got it. Yeah, I think that's that's very true. I mean, where do you where do you sit? We we talked a bit about short term um, um, predictions. Long term predictions currently are extremely difficult. I mean, as a in in many ways, who knows? But do you just on with a PR? Let's leave the economy out of it because I think that that really is so difficult, isn't it? But looking at PR as a discipline, there is an argument, isn't there, that PR has. Um, should we say increased its 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 respect within the business um, over the over this period, um, and I don't know whether there's an argument that it can keep that and can, whether it can retain that profile or or whether things will just naturally move on as businesses return to normal. Do you know? I think it will be a case by case scenario in terms of what what agencies and and house PR teams have done during this time. I think it's the same as anything. It's I think some people will have fundamentally moved that dial. They'll have moved upstream. They'll be closer to the C-suite. They'll be seen as more valuable. And I don't see why that would change as we come out of this crisis. And others won't have. 
But at the end of the day, I mean, as we look at the longer term piece, you know, there are some fundamental things that our industry just hasn't sorted out. And that was happening long before COVID-19 came along. And if we don't sort them out, we're never going to make the progress that we think we should in terms of how valuable we are to, to businesses. And you know what I'm going to say, the ability to be able to really measure the impact of what we do and to really show that it has a impact, a positive impact on the bottom line for organisations. Unless we all start to do that really seriously, day in and day out, and insist upon it for every campaign, uh, then we're always going to be struggling a bit to, to move upstream. And then I think the second piece is around diversity and inclusion. Now, again, it's a conversation we've been having for the entire 20 years that I've been in this industry, but not enough businesses have taken it seriously uh, up until now. And whilst there's a lot of talk, what I want to see is action, where we're actually fundamentally moving the needle on how we diversify the industry and how we open it up to people from all and every background. Sure. There's a, yeah, I mean, there's a two long-running themes, aren't they? And it's, I don't know, it, it, Again, I go, I go from um, thinking that maybe some progress is being made on both of those, actually, to, um, to, to perhaps not. I mean, certainly on the, on the analytics side, I think there has been some progress made over the last five years, shall we say. Um, there's always the caveat that, that, that pretty much every PR campaign has a different type of objective, isn't there? So there's, I know you weren't suggesting that, but it's, there, there's no silver bullet there, is there? It's about... No, definitely not. Um, and, I, you know, we, we briefly touched on this before. I mean... My view is that the most difficult things that you want to solve rarely have just a really simple answer. There's going to be layers of complexity over what we need to do. And I think our industry is too often goes for the easiest and the simplest way forward. When actually, I think on those two long running issues, we need to just like, A, we have to spend some money, which you know, we don't really like doing in PR agencies, but we're really going to have to spend some money both on the tools. And I, again, I think this is where there's a massive benefit to being part of a holding company. You know, we, we've just, we're about to sneak preview and um, launch an amazing new tool uh, that's powered by Omnicom uh, and our kind of tech stack within the uh, Omnicom Public Relations Group. And it's, you know, I think as independents, it's very difficult to spend the sort of money that Omnicom can on that sort of technology. And I think it's going to be a real game changer for all of us who are in OPRG. Um, but we have to spend some money and we have to get the right talent. I've got a great um, head of research and analytics in the UK now, Giuseppe Palomino, who started three weeks before we went into lockdown. God, I mean, start a new job in that environment. But he is phenomenal. I've got him from outside of the industry. You know, he's a deep um and tech specialist. And already he's kind of transforming how we're thinking about um, that part of our business. And it's it's so important. If we don't get it right, we're going to keep having these conversations year in and year in and year in and year out. And I'm really bored of them. <laughs> I, I want to put both yeah. of them to bed and for us to make significant leaps forward. Well, let's hope so. There's, I mean, there's, there's lots of... I, there's always that debate as to whether you, you, you build your own tool or buy one in, isn't there, if you see what I mean? And that's, that's also a, um, a never-ending yeah. debate on all those sorts of stuff. Just on, you mentioned it there on the, the independence. Do you have a lot of sympathy with the argument that independents have tended to have a better lockdown than uh, the group-owned firms? No. <laughs> <laughs> I would say that's bollocks. 
I think that's another one of those nice little PR spin stories. No, I mean, look, at the end of the day, there's pros and cons to both. There's certainly times when I wish that, you know, Ketchum was an independent firm and we could do what the hell we like. Um, but more often than not, I am really grateful, particularly in you know, this sort of economic environment, to be part of the holding company. And, you know, I think John Wren was faster than most in giving us really clear direction uh, through, um, through this pandemic. He was extraordinary, I think, in communicating with all of Omnicom staff globally. And um, we've seen and heard more of him uh, in the last five months than in the nine years previously that I've been at the farm. I think he's been a, an exceptional leader during this time for us. Um, and of course, we haven't got everything right. And of course, yeah, I have had many late night calls with uh, American accountants that, that they're, the, they're the moments that are not the kind of exciting bit of my job or the bit that I, I look forward to. But at the end of the day, you know, at the start of this crisis, when the it was all about making sure you had the right cash flow, I mean, we don't even have to worry about that in a firm like Kitchen. And I know many of the independents, that was a real moment of strain. And yeah. Yeah, so I think I like the two you, ones. Well, I was going to ask you, what do you see as the main advantages of, of being a group owned firm at a time like this? Is that is that right up there? Is it cash? Yeah, definitely cash, for sure. I think it's the depth of um, experience that you can draw upon. Um, yeah, you're surrounded by so many peers. And I think what Omnicom have done a great job on over the last few years, you know, we all moved to the bank side. So 80% of Omnicom employees in the UK are in um, bank side two and three. So we've had four years of really building strong relationships and I, I yeah I'm not afraid to say I was wrong when they told us that we had to move out of our plush Shoreditch uh, offices that we thoroughly enjoyed one of the big things that they said would be an advantage was the integration with um, our brothers and sisters across the the breadth of Omnicom and I was a skeptic on that I didn't think it would re really happen but it actually I mean it genuinely has and so you know I've had not just my um, PR colleagues uh, and Kitchen Globally across OPRG, but also CEOs of all these different businesses, all facing similar but quite different challenges as we've gone through this and being able to work together uh, within that Omnicom network and able to, we've had so many great referrals, um, we've had so many non-competitive wins during this time, which is basically just the Omnicom network stepping in and looking after each other. So. You know, I think the holding companies get uh, get a hard time, uh, and at the end of the day, they are a commercial for-profit uh, enterprise, and that's what we're all here to do. We choose to work in one of those holding company firms, but I, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have changed being part of Omnicom to being an independent during this time. I think it's it's let me sleep slightly easier at night. Yeah, fair point. Um, looking at the results, again, you touched on it a minute ago, of most of the groups, it seems that PR's fared better than its advertising peers, which is not rare going into a recession or in times of crisis, is it? Just no. what do you think it is that PR is fairly resilient, shall we say, as a discipline? Is it, is it just simply that corporate work comes to the fore or is it a bit more than that? Well, yeah, you've got, I mean, I think there's, there's a, a couple of things. One is definitely the need for issues and crisis support during this time, corporate reputation. 
Um, and so there's a real thoughtfulness from, there, was, there certainly was from the majority of our clients, a real thoughtfulness about how do we handle uh, this crisis, the impact on our people. So internal comms has also been a really important piece as well as how do we show up externally in this world that's fundamentally changed overnight. So I think that, I think there's that. I think secondly, yeah, it's it's the kind of yin to the yang, right? One of the things we complain about constantly is the size of budgets that the advertising firms get versus the size of budgets that PR firms get. That actually in this time of crisis, our budgets are not at the top of the list when they start going through and putting kind of the red line through it because they're much smaller. So they're, they're a bit more protected. So, you know, I think as ever with these things, it's um, it's two sides of the same coin. And uh, in the good times, we're always envious of how our advertising uh, brothers and sisters kind of play at the big table and get the big giant budgets. But as you say, it's not unusual that when we go through times of crisis, they are much, much bigger impacted than we are. Certainly, there's um, a fair a fair few, um, well, some tough times employment-wise within ad, ad agencies currently right now. And I don't, I don't mean that in any way focused on Omnicom. I just mean... Uh, no, everywhere. Yeah, absolutely. Um, as a relatively new leader, I don't know, how long have you been CEO of Ketchum London now? Two years? Two and a half years. But let me tell you, these last five months feel like five years. <laughs> <laughs> but how, how have you found it? I mean, it's quite a... You know, you were in... You're not you're not fresh into that role but two years isn't a great deal of experience to sort of fall back on in such a such a stressful period is it no no i mean i suppose it's been it's been good in a way because i've trusted my instincts um every step of the way and then i've tested them with um with the global leadership and the majority of the time my instincts have been exactly you know what the thought I should do. Um, I think my, less so than my experience, but more my background um, has meant that I am quite up for a fight and going to war for my people uh, when I know it's the right thing to do. So my good Glaswegian negotiating skills have came out a few times. Um, my sharp elbows from growing up in a working class council estate made good use over the last five months. And I think one of the things that um, I've learned probably growing up as well as across my career is choose your battles carefully, right? You cannot fight. Every, and I think this is true you know, of life, but especially when you work in a big holding company and some things are just expected. You know, for me, it's just been really important to be clear in my own mind and with my leadership team in the UK about you know, where are our red lines and you know, when am I going to bring out the battle um and so and so for me that's been it's been a real learning uh, opportunity but it's also meant that i'm kind of i know that i need to trust my instincts and when i do good things happen right and from a business perspective is ketchum a, a significantly different shape business in terms of the type of work and 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 and, and things like that than it was when we coming out of it or i get the impression of broadly Probably quite Not really. Right. I mean, we have the same business. We just we just don't have an experiential or um or big sporting events right now. I mean, it's kind of, but I don't see that as being forever. You know, we're already starting to plan for um Tokyo twenty twenty one. Um, you know, as things start to return more and more to normality, 
their experiential will come back. It might be slightly different over the next few years until um, you know, we're handling COVID differently. But the shape of our business is pretty much the same. And I'm, I feel, I mean, I don't know, maybe it's because I had a, a week's holiday last week or the week before. Um, I kind of feel more optimistic than I have about the rate of recovery. And that's not to say I think it's going to be next year. Um, but I think it will, I think we will have a really, um, we'll have a slow recovery, but it will recover steadily is what I really think. And so whilst the business is slightly different for now, um, I think I keep looking for like the, the silver linings. And one of the things that I've been frustrated about about Ketchum in the UK the entire time I've been there is I've never felt we've been as entrepreneurial as we could be. Um, we're creative, we do great campaigns, but you know that that constantly innovating new product development was always just a bit slow for me. And people will say that's because I go at 100 miles an hour, but it was just always a bit slow. And I have to like give all credit to to the team. Like through COVID, that entrepreneurial spirit has roared. And I've seen us do things that if you'd asked me in February, I would have been like, nah, I don't think we would do something like that. But it's just, it's been phenomenal to see people rise to that challenge um, and for people to really come together uh, as, a, as a community, even though we're kind of all apart. Right. And in terms of going back to the office and things like that, where are you on that particular um, Journey. So uh, yeah, so God, it's, it's such a difficult one. Um, Bankside is reopening on the seventeenth of August. Uh, it's still closed right now, and um, I'm hoping that the Ketchum employees who want to get back into an office environment will be able to start doing so from the first of September. Um, but you know, we have had a what we call smart working, fully flexible working for um, three years now. So we don't have core office hours. People are empowered to work wherever it makes sense for them to work. So this wasn't a massive, I mean, it was obviously a massive shift having everybody out of the office for five months. But in terms of people being able to work virtually, it's something we've been doing for a long time. And, um, and I don't expect anyone to return to the office this year if they don't want to. Uh, and in fact, I think that we will be even more flexible because I think people, some people have seen real benefits from it. But at the same time, yeah, many of my colleagues are working in yeah, just horrible conditions. If, yeah, if you're in a, in a house share and you've just got your room, it's pretty miserable on your kind of your life impact. If your whole life is just in your in your bedroom, you're having to work there. That's actually where you want to rest and recuperate. So. Uh, so I'm just I'm I'm being as flexible as I can and letting people define their own path in terms of return to office, but with no expectation of of this year. I'm zoomed out. I don't know about you. I'm I'm, I'm done on Zoom. But uh... well, and I think it's hard if you're an extrovert like you and I both are. You know, I thrive with. I mean, I've had some really low days, and and I just, and I know it's because I need people. You know, I just I, I the, I'm never happier than in big groups of people talking sharing ideas and and so I absolutely miss uh the office environment we had such a vibrant office uh culture but at the same time I, one of the things I keep talking to my people about is it's not going to be the same and what I don't want is for our people to think that when if they go back on the first of September it's going to be the same because we're going to have social distancing people have to wear masks if they're not sat at their desk 
uh, yeah, it's limited to four people on a lift and anyone who's been to Bankside and queued for the lift will know that that's an absolute nightmare. <laughs> so, you know, I think there's an element of, um, in the short term at least, I think being at home and being on Zoom is, or Teams or WebEx, whatever your chosen desire is, um, is better than having all the restrictions in place and also taking the risk of public transport. So. Weighing it up, I'm going to let uh, people make their own choices about what's right for them. John Robertson, partner and CEO of Kesham London, thanks so much for coming on the show. Thanks, Ben. Thanks for listening to the PR Moment podcast, produced in association with the Marketeers Network. If you'd enjoyed the show, please do review us on iTunes and give us a decent rating.